I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. All right, today we have a bit of a cautionary tale. We are leaving Bohemia, I promise. <laughs> we'll probably be back at some point. But today we are leaving Bohemia and we are heading south. We are going to 15th century Italy for one of, really one of my favorite guys, to be perfectly honest with you. <clears throat> so before we dive into him, though, let's make sure we know our setting. 15th century Italy, you're talking about Renaissance period, is one of the more convoluted and interesting periods of any history ever. You are talking about the height of Roman Catholic corruption at the point we're going to be, which is the the end of the 15th century. The papacy has been bought and sold like a telegram or you know, like a postcard for the better part of several hundred years at this point. I mean, at least two centuries, the papacy has been up for bids. The other interesting part about Italy during this time is that it doesn't exist. We use the term Italy anachronistically. Remember, an anachronism is using modern terminology to describe something long ago. So, I mean, Italy is not a thing until the 19th century. So when you're dealing with the 15th century on the Italian peninsula, you are dealing with a very unsecure place and everyone holding an unsecure footing. So if you're looking at the boot on a map or if you're looking at the boot in your mind, you get up to the to the northern parts of Italy, and there are a lot of independent city-states, and these are the, the Renaissance cities that you know and love and you have heard of, things like Milan, Florence, Genoa, Venice. They're independent. They're not beholden to anyone else. Now, within that independence, they are beholden to whoever runs the city, and we'll get to that in a little while. The other... Rural areas are smaller states that cannot afford to run their own armies or hire their own protection. They are being pulled and tugged constantly from the papal states in the south and the Holy Roman Empire in the north. So when you think Holy Roman Empire, you have to think modern-day eastern France, Germany, going into eastern Europe. Now, the papal states that we just mentioned, they are dominant in central Italy. This is a Roman dominion over central Italy. This is one of the things we've talked about, that the pope is both a religious figure and a secular prince by being the head of the papal states. Now, southern Italy is a hodgepodge. The Papal States are claiming some of it. The Holy Roman Empire is claiming some of it. The Spanish are claiming some of it. Some of it is holdover from North African civilization. It's it's literally a nightmare. Now, into that stew of corruption and political uncertainty steps a Dominican friar by the name of Girolamo Savonarola. That's just a good Italian name right there, so... Now, I did say Dominican friar. He is a Roman Catholic. And one of the interesting things about Savonarola is that he considered himself a Roman Catholic to the end. 
he considered himself primarily a reformer in regards to what was going on. He was also a bit of a wild-eyed end times prophet, and I'm not even kidding. He would give uh, glorious prophecies of the world and the end. He would call people in these prophecies to the future civic glory and the destruction of secular culture, where religion is influencing the culture, not the other way around. With that were also calls for Christian renewal. Those are good, believe it or not. That is a Christian view of society and the triumph of the gospel. Now, I mentioned Savonarola would call himself a faithful Roman Catholic to the very end. What's interesting about his doctrine is the Roman Catholic Church <laughs> wouldn't call Savonarola a faithful Catholic until the end. Martin Luther calls his uh, calls Savonarola's views on grace and faith forerunners to the understanding of justification by faith. Um, the French Huguenots, which is probably a Huguenot, because it's a Huguenot, but the, the Huguenots will hold Savonarola as one of their founding fathers as far as their uh, religious tradition and their understanding of doctrine. So with the calls to civic good and piety and renewal of Christianity and the casting aside of paganism and secular culture, Savonarola is also denouncing clerical corruption, he's denouncing despotic rule, and he's denouncing exploitation of the poor. Now realize, in 15th century Italian peninsula world, that's just Tuesday. The Pope does this. He is the poster child of clerical corruption. Despotic rule, even in these air quotes, independent cities like Venice and Milan, is the norm. It is a rich elite um, taxing goods, taxing produce, using a feudal system to collect tributes and taxes from the rural landed poor basically economic dominion by the rich over the poor leading to a despotic rule that feeds a clerical corruption because if you're not a son who is inheriting large swaths of land from a rich family or able to go into business for yourself where you can gain income to get out of this system the only other way out of this being in the poor class was to enter into the clergy and thereby ascend in society and have a shot at accumulating lands and wealth and taxes, and I'm not even kidding. So Savonarola has a popular uprising, basically, and Florence deposes the Medici rule. I mean, the Medicis are you know, famed in history. They're running Florence at the time. They are they are deposed, and a republic is established with Savonarola and a couple other friars basically at the head of it. Now, during this republic period, his uh, what Savonarola called the New Jerusalem, there was a breakout of war between the Papal States and the Holy Roman Empire. Just wrap your brain around that. The Holy Roman Empire is founded in, what, 800, when the Pope crowns Charlemagne Holy Roman Empire Emperor. The Holy Roman Empire is supposed to exist to defend the faith and spread Christendom. The Holy Roman Empire is the beginning of Christendom as the Lombards are extending their control across Europe. Now, fast forward 700 years, you have the Holy Roman Empire 
warring against the papal states for control of Italy and the papacy. Alexander VI is pope. By the way, Alexander, before he was Alexander VI, was Cardinal Rodrigo Borgia. Yeah, there was literally a TV show talking about how corrupt these guys were. Borgia was became pope simply because he had enough money. You know about you know if you know anything about um, ancient well modern Catholicism as well. You know about the celibate priesthood. Yeah, Borgia was famous for how many children he fathered with his mistresses and how he was able to get them appointed to high office. That should tell you where we are in the level of corruption. We're not following any of the rules. Well. Savonarola and his republic refused alliance with the Borgia Pope and the Papal States and sort of threw themselves in with the Holy Roman Empire. That got them excommunicated. Savonarola was put under an edict where he was not allowed to preach. He did so anyway. Pressure comes down from the Papal States. Pressure comes down from the Holy Roman Empire. And eventually, the city turns against him. Why? Well, because this is what Italian politics is. They've had like 47 constitutions and governments and parliaments in the last 50 years. It's unbelievable. So the city turns against him. He's arrested. He is tortured and tried. He recants his visions. He recants his work. He then goes back on the recantation. Eventually, he is brought before a tribunal where he is convicted and he is hanged. While they hang him, as well as the other two uh, friars who were involved, they light fires underneath the gallows to consume the gallows and the body so that they will not be pillaged for relics from Savonarola's followers. Now, I mentioned a cautionary tale. This is the cautionary tale. I'd like to read you some quotes from Savonarola. Do you wish to be free? Then above all things, love God, love your neighbor, love one another, love the commonwealth. Then you will have true liberty. I counsel you to return to God, to live after the manner of a good Christian, to repent of the past, recur to piety. Otherwise, I make known to you that severe chastisement awaits you and that you shall be scourged in your substance, your flesh and all your kindred. This was a letter written to a, uh, a nobleman. I announce to you that your life is near its end. That if, you, that if you obey not my words, you will go to hell. And this letter will be brought up against you before the judgment seat of God and leave you no way of escape. Now, why is Savonarola a cautionary tale? Savonarola thought himself a good Catholic, sought himself a lover of the poor, sought, thought himself a civically minded champion of the people. And all of those things turned against him. All of them. It's a reminder that however much you wish to stand on principle, however much you wish to make Christianity the thing in the world, when this world becomes the thing you focus upon, you have lost sight of the true prize. He's a cautionary tale because the world will not love you, because the world cannot love you, because you are not of the world, and the world will only love its own. The corrupt structures will not reform themselves because they are incapable of reforming themselves. Therefore, Christian, you must stand firm in the faith for God, knowing that he is the prize to which you attain. Not worldly gain, not worldly accolades, but Christ and him alone. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good.